Let there be peace on earth. The line in the song that stood out to me was the death, the birth of freedom and the death of fear. And uh, that really is what this weekend is about. That's what Christmas is about. It is Jesus Christ came to be our Prince of Peace. I don't know what you were doing back in June or what you were thinking about, but the weekend team sat in a meeting with me and said, okay, where do we want to go this Christmas? And that's kind of way ahead, uh, six months out. And I said, well, how about the birth of baby Jesus? <laughs> that wasn't quite precise enough. And uh, I remember saying, you know, really with all that we're going through in, in our culture, I, I'd, we can do TSO and all that stuff, but let's, let's just do pretty and let's do peace because we need that. And uh, it's been a rough season for us, uh, regardless of your age. Those of us that are baby boomers, uh, we kind of, we are troubled because of where our world is heading compared to our younger days. And then I read an article that really kind of opened my eyes because at CLC, we're about a third, zero to 30, about a third, 30 to 15, about a third over that age-wise. And to those of you that have been born, uh, if you're in that Gen Z uh, grouping, born in the mid-90s on... You have seen more personal and social upheaval and disorder in, in your short life than we baby boomers have in a lifetime for decades before that. If that's your lifespan, uh, really, terrorism was birthed in our nation September 11, 2001. And from 2007 to 2017, there's an average of 21,000 deaths a year worldwide because of terrorist acts the worst year so far was in 2014, over 44,000 people. To those of you who are Gen Z, the phrase school shooting became a phrase in your lifetime. It was unheard of when we were in school. And then uh, 43 or 50 states have had a school shooting. Uh, there is an average of one per month since 2000. And natural disasters seem to have just been put on steroids, uh, whether it's tsunamis, hurricanes, earthquakes, uh, the, the tornadoes like we just had this weekend, uh, floods, wildfires, and droughts. In 2017, it cost the United States over $300 billion just in our nation alone. And then you've got 2002, the SARS virus uh, was birthed, and then 2009, H1N1, swine flu. 2012, it was two, tuberculosis killed 1.3 million people worldwide. Then there's the Ebola virus in 14, followed by the Zika virus, and now a COVID-19 virus. And it is easy to be filled with anxiety rather than peace on earth. It's easy to be fearful and wonder what the next thing is going to happen and how do we brace ourselves for it. But I would suggest to you as, as followers of Christ that we not only embolden ourselves, but we walk in that peace that Christ came to bring on earth. And uh, we go back to that first Christmas passage in Luke chapter 2, tells us that at the time Jesus was born in the little town of Bethlehem, in that same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people, save for everyone. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Other versions say peace on earth, goodwill toward men. 
30-some years later when Jesus was an adult and he was in his ministry and teaching, he clarified to people the nature of that peace. It wasn't a circumstantial peace. He said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. The world tries to give a peace that is negotiated, that is contractually agreed to or enforced by some, some uh, military force. But Jesus gives a peace that is there regardless of circumstance. It's from the inside out. And uh, the Bible says numerous times, in fact, if you go to the New Testament alone, over 25 times the authors of the New Testament wish to their hearers, they either begin or end by saying things like peace to you or grace to you and peace, grace, mercy, and peace to you. Because it's an ongoing process and, and it's something that can be fleeting and it's up to us to, to pursue that. And when we talk about anxiety, in addition to the serious things I talked about a moment ago that we're dealing with, there are just the everyday trivial things that stress us out. I won't ask for a show of hands, but some of you are real stressed about the supply chain issue and whether or not the gifts you order are going to come on time, all right? Um, I saw this, uh, this joke on Facebook, and I got I to chuckle a lot of it. It's been months since I bought the book. <laughs> Still hasn't arrived yet. You bought that book, you have bigger problems we'll talk to you about later. But when it comes to peace, I want to share five perspectives from Scripture that I think it helps all of us to know. And if you're, if you're here today as a Christ follower, put these into action. It's easy to forget. If you haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, the greatest reason he came is that there's been born to you, the angel said, a Savior who's Christ the Lord. The biggest problem we have isn't anxiety. It isn't a lack of joy. It's not inflation. It's not uncertainty. The biggest problem we have is sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory, and it creates a wedge between us and God. And so today, if that's you, you can be forgiven of that sin by that Savior we celebrate, and we'll, we'll close that way at the end with a prayer. But five things that the Bible tells us about peace. The first one is pursue it. Would you just tell your neighbor you have to go after it? Just tell somebody have to go after. It doesn't just happen. You're not just sitting there at work or at home and, oh, I just, I just feel peaceful all of a sudden. All right? No. Peace is something you have to pursue. Psalm 34, verse 15 says, depart from evil. That's the first part. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You have to pursue peace. It can be fleeting otherwise. And, and one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, repeats that very verse in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. You go on a little further in that psalm, and it says in verse 15 some very peaceful, reassuring thoughts. It says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. I just want to stop there because some of you feel like, where is God? Some of you are following him. Some of you have been praying, and you've been asking God. And, and sometimes if you're like me, I'm guilty of telling. You ever tell the creator of the universe how to fix your problems? And you call it a prayer, all right? But you've been praying, you've been asking, and you wonder, where is God? Does he even hear me? Does he see what I'm going through? Hello, God. Yes, he does. He sees you. He hears you. In verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I wish trouble took a holiday, but it doesn't. In fact, I think we notice our heartaches more at the holidays because everything is supposed to be merry and bright. And maybe you are on the outside, but inside you're brokenhearted. The Bible says that God is near to you. 
Maybe you're crushed in spirit. Maybe, maybe you've seen what feels like the, 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 the dissolution of your dreams. Maybe you've lost a loved one or things aren't going well in your relationships or your family, or your career, your health, whatever it is. The Bible says that God is near to you. He sees you. He hears what you're going through. And so you seek peace, pursue it. It's been an interesting lot in life to be in this role for over three decades and to, and to preach something. And while I'm preaching it, realize that I need to hear it. Friday, I woke up and I was just, I was just stressed. And it's my day off and I was at Planet Fitness working out and I, I was stressed working out. And I'm all anxious and, and, and it's like, I guess the Lord just started working on me. Oh, so great. You're preaching about peace and you don't have it. And so I, I've kind of reminded, okay, then I have to pursue it. And so I kind of put the, the message uh, into action because all of us have to seek peace. All of us have to pursue it. But for some people, they never find it without the Prince of Peace. For all of us, we can as we do. So the second dimension is to think it. Say think it. Think it. And uh, I just want to sort of make a statement that peace is not determined by events. Jesus said, not as the world gives. Peace is not determined by events. It's determined largely by what we think in response to events. It's what we think here affects how we feel here. The Apostle Paul unpacks that in Philippians chapter 4. Some theologians call it the mental health chapter. And he says some things that do not come natural, at least not to me. Right out of the gate in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord sometime. Always, again, I'll say rejoice. Right there, I'm, I'm in trouble. So are you. Because it's easy to rejoice when things are going good, isn't it? All right, when you, wow, something, an unexpected surprise in a pleasant way. But what about when there's no good news, just no news, period, and it's just, there it is. Paul says, choose to rejoice. It's an imperative, it's a command. The next verse says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men, the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. That's an easy one, too. Be anxious for the big things. Be anxious for the stuff that hangs around. Be anxious for the things you can't solve. No, be anxious for nothing. Well, how do I do that? Well, in everything, by prayer and supplication, asking with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so gratitude is a huge antidote to anxiety. And when you find yourself anxious and stressed, did you ever find yourself all stirred up inside and you don't even know why? Every man will raise their hand, right? We're less in touch sometimes with what we're feeling. But, but, but I find a lot of times if I'm stressed and strained or I'm anxious or whatever, I'll ask myself, what am I thinking? Because often my thoughts then influence my feelings and vice versa. And, and, and he tells us to be anxious for nothing but to be thankful. And so I suggest to you as you, are, as you are pursuing peace this season and when you've got all kinds of things to not be peaceful about, start giving thanks. Start verbalizing rejoicing kinds of thoughts. And then he goes on to say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, emotionally, mentally. Finally, whatever's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Things. I almost see Paul writing with a pessimist in mind. Well, what about, what about, well, is there anything true, anything honorable, anything right? Is there anything praiseworthy in your life? Well, the car started today. Great, then start with that. 
Let your mind dwell on, you have to pursue peace. Because you are living in a world that will bombard you with anxiety, will bombard you with despair, will bombard you with bad news, going from bad to worse. You've got to pursue peace. And there are times you have to say, okay, well, what can I think about? What can I dwell on? What can I be preoccupied with? And then Paul says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. That's pretty bold. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Evidently, and it appears from his writings, Paul was never a stressed out mess. Paul practiced this, and he said, watch what I do and do the same. And, and not only in that passage, but in verse 13 of chapter 3 of Philippians, because Paul's kind of summarizing the whole book, he says something as well that's a key to peace. And he says in, in verse 13, Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of perfection yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind I reach forward to what lies ahead. How many of us have painful, shameful, disappointing, frustrating, angering, scary, something like that in your past? Let's see all of our hands, right? Some of you, this is a great Christmas present to you, need to learn to leave it there. Learn from it. Be thankful for what you learn from it and what you can take from it in a positive way, but then leave it. Because it's no longer here. It's no longer now. It's no longer ahead of you unless you drag it with you to today and you drag it to next week and you can drag it to Christmas and you can drag it to New Year. But Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. And so many of us, it comes natural to us, I know, and painful things are hard to forget. But again, peace is something you pursue. Peace is something you go after. And leaving things behind that just continue your stress and strain and anxiety, it takes pursuit. I'm, I'm going to choose to leave it there, and I'm going to move forward. And so the next one is, is indeed to choose it. So we pursue it, we think it, we choose it. And uh, in this one, I want to talk in terms of relationships. How many of you have some stressful relationships? Yeah, you're afraid to raise your hand because you're sitting next to your stressor. <laughs> All right? I know how this works. Not my first rodeo. <laughs> if the person's hand next to you shot up and they looked at you, you're, you're having a bad day. <laughs> Boy, are they not. And Paul, Paul gives great advice in Romans chapter 12. And he says, if possible, say if possible. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Jesus says the same kind of sentiment in Mark chapter 9. He says, be at peace with one another. In Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all. 1 Thessalonians 5, 13, live in peace with one another. Again, there's a command. And Ephesians 4 talks about unity of the Spirit and bonds of peace. But I like the way Paul clarifies it. So far as it depends on you, if it's possible, I will admit to you that there are some people in your world, it's just not possible. They won't have it. They're, they just have to stress and strain and be upset about something. And so you just figure out the pro proper emotional boundaries and kind of deal with them as you can. But with everyone as much as possible, choose peace. I saw this, and uh, if you've been around long enough, you know my sense of humor, this kind of made me laugh. <laughs> I 
Can I get an amen? <laughs> Eight. How about six? How about five? <laughs> choose it. Say choose it. And guess what? You're going to most of us have some kind of holiday gatherings coming up, whether it's at work, with family, in the neighborhood, whatever, okay? You're going to have a chance to have this tested and make the choice. And then the fourth one is be preoccupied. Be preoccupied. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, the prophet says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, anchored, stuck, preoccupied on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. What you do with your thought life is transformational, the Bible says. It can make or break us. And that being preoccupied is later in the next verse, it says, trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. You know what you need in a world like this? Some kind of bedrock confidence that's not shaken. And the place you get that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a preoccupation in God's word, what God's word says. In Psalm 119, verse 165, it says, Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. Those who read God's word, I don't care if it's a chapter, a paragraph, a verse, read God's word, think about it, be preoccupied with it, and the Bible says they'll have great peace. Proverbs 3 says, regarding the commandments and wisdom of God, that length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. God's word is good for you as a human being and good for your mental health and your, and your state of peace versus anxiety. And then finally, if you really want to have peace on earth, your earth, from the inside out, you have to know the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, that prophet wrote seven centuries before Christ was born. He wrote these famous words for a child will be given to, a born to us, and a son will be given to us. Jesus is the Son of God. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I'm here to tell you that when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, we used to sing years ago, I've decided to follow Jesus. When you decide to follow Jesus, not just give a mental check mark, yep, I believe he's who he is. No, but when you really decide to follow Jesus, there's a relationship that starts. I've been following for him for over 50 years. He's been more reliable than I have been. But I find that, that as I follow Jesus, there is a peace that doesn't make sense. There is a comfort in, in times of agony and times of uncertainty, and, and there is strength in times of fear. And as you go through the difficulties of life and you learn how to pray just from your heart to his, he is a wonderful counselor and he understands, and there is a sense of, of it's going to be all right, I can trust him. And in Colossians 3, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and be thankful and to those of us that are here and, and you, you're a Christian. You're a follower of Christ. The peace of God isn't guaranteed daily. It's guaranteed if we pursue it. And as you learn to think about it and choose it and be preoccupied with it and as you remind yourself, but I know the Prince of Peace. I love the line in that song. We can know him. That his peace will be present for you. 
And if you're going through a rough time this holiday season, don't forget to tell the Prince of Peace about it. Cry it out to him, yell it out to him, but tell him. He's eager to know and to hear, and he cares for you. He'll see you through. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, then I would encourage you to sort of do an inventory and decide that this Christmas you're going to say yes and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And so take a moment. You've received a lot of just input and and stimulus musically and about peace on earth. We we have this last song to, to close. Well, it's not the finale, but it's just to close these remarks. Take a moment in the beauty of this and just reflect upon your life and the peace of God that is yours or is available to you. You're the guy.
He is the God who is never far. I'm asking you to bow your heads with me. I breathe in your peace. Would you just imagine the peace of God? Imagine Him holding you when you're broken. Imagine Him seeing and hearing you every moment. And just take a deep breath with me. Let's say His name, Jesus. Whisper it again, Jesus. The angel said we'd call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you just whisper Emmanuel? Emmanuel. Invite him to whatever you're going through, wherever you are. Thank him that he's with you. In faith, thank him that he hears you. Lord Jesus, we pray. I pray for every person here, every brother and sister in Christ, that you would bless their life with an overwhelming sense of your peace. As they seek it and pursue it, let them find it. When they feel crushed in spirit and brokenhearted, I pray that your peace will comfort them when they're trying to decide that your peace will give them wisdom. When they're in troubling times or troubling relationships, that your peace will settle soul deep. Jesus, we need your peace. We're so thankful you're not some far-off God, but you are God with us, our Emmanuel. And so remind us and let us remind ourselves all throughout the rest of this Christmas season and let your peace be in abundance. For those that are here today that don't know you, Holy Spirit, I pray as you're stirring their heart, let today be a day of surrender. And if you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, but you want that peace, you want him to be your Savior, you want your life in his hands, I just encourage you to pray this simple prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat it with me in honor of those that are praying it perhaps for the first time, or maybe it's a return for you to your relationship with Christ. As many have this past weekend, would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I realize I need you. I thank you that you came to be God with us. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life into your hands. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. From this day forward, fill my life with your Holy Spirit. Help me to grow to know you, to love you and serve you, and to follow you the rest of my life. Thank you for hearing me today. 
your name I pray. And Lord, I pray for all those who, in the quietness of this moment, prayed that prayer. Maybe from a place of desperation or a place of just, where is the peace or there must be more? And I pray that today, this Christmas season, they look back and say, 2021, I accepted Christ and my life has begun to change. Give them a sense of anticipation, a sense of your presence and your peace. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Bible tells us when one person accepts Christ, all of heaven rejoices. And uh, each service, many have. So let's just give an ovation, a celebration to those who prayed that prayer. And I invite you now to stand with us and celebrate the finale of peace.